Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 78 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Justin Foley from Killswitch Engage discusses his first band, and I recommend the Romanian metal band White Walls. Before all that, I welcome Tommy Rogers from Between the Barrier to Me back to the show. Tommy was previously on, but the situation was a little strange. We discussed that in the start of this episode. Anyway, Between the Barrier to Me are about to re-release their second album, The Silent Circus, on July 31st. Tommy came on to discuss the reissue, his recent solo EP, Feel Better. He answered the BT Bam fan questionnaire that I had Paul answer back on episode 73. We also talked about his cats and more. Before we dive in with Tommy, here's some of the reissued version of a favorite of mine from the BT Bam Silent Circus album. This is At a Digglemutt. Not too bad. How are you today? Good. We've done an interview together, right? Kind of. Um, a few kind of. a few years back, I think you were on tour, and uh, we were asked to email you questions, and you sent us audio responses back, and I pieced oh, it okay. together into a podcast interview. This is a some behind the scenes okay. stuff from I my just, podcast. I knew listening. the far beyond metal thing sounded familiar. Oh, actually, I emailed you maybe last week about putting up uh, the Feel Better EP for Metal Injection, so that might be why my handle is familiar because it's at the uh, yeah okay yeah okay. I, I double dip a bit in the metal world cool yeah so how's uh how's your morning been i don't know if this is early for you um, um it's normally not but th- uh, things are slow today yeah i'm uh t- taking it easy I, I wake up really early always to feed our cats and i accidentally feel like to sleep so do, do you yeah. wake your do you wake up to feed the cats or the cats wake you up I actually wake up because one of our cats has diabetes. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a crazy thing last year. So I have to give her a shot at a certain at six thirty every morning and every night at six thirty. So it's like has to be, you know, it's I have to wake up at six. It's like a a schedule. So which they know it now too. So sometimes <laughs> I don't even. Sometimes they're ready and wake me up. But yeah. Uh, I'm good. Uh, made, just made breakfast for my son and wife, and talk about Silent Circus. <laughs> oh yeah, that's which, which is crazy. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, is it weird you doing know, press for there. an album again? Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, I think I, I think normally it's it's nothing you really think twice about, um, but because we did the remix, um, you know, we we had to listen to all this stuff again and make notes and. You know, do we want, you know, how, how, how's everything sound to us? Do we want to change anything? Um, so you're kind of listening to it. I mean, for I haven't listened to this record. God, I mean, who knows? Probably f- 15 years, maybe more. I don't know, like all the way through. I can't remember the last time I listened to it. So, you know, it, and because Jamie did such a good job, you know, it, it, sounds, it sounds like a new record to me. And it, it kind of made me kind of just get back into it again you know 
<laughs> like I forgot I forgot how much I enjoyed a lot of the material and and he really brought a new life to it and you know a lot of you know you can hear the riffs better and it's like oh man it's just a lot of really good magical stuff that happened you know when writing that record and yeah it, it was a nice trip down memory lane for sure um you know but a, a big thing for us is we just we didn't want with these remixes we didn't want to like we didn't want to change performances or anything you know we just wanted to you know use technology to make it sound better and, and ha have the have you hear the songs better and hear it the way they should be heard um you know which i'm a fan of you know that there's been a lot of you know, in like the classic rock world, it's, you know, the Beatles, they've re remixed a lot of their records with the original guy. And, you know, some people kind of critique that and criticize it. And But for me, it's like these records sound better. And it's like, it's not, they're not changing the, the album or changing the songs. It's just, you can hear things that you couldn't hear before. You can hear bass lines that were buried before, you know, the auxiliary instruments. And So yeah, that, that was kind of the whole reason behind doing this. And it was kind of a a big dream for Jamie. He's, he's always like, you know, especially with certain records that he was a big part of. He's like, man, I, cause he's grown so much too. So, um, you know, this has been something really special for him as well. Uh, from a creative standpoint, do you, does it feel like you're listening to yourself <clears throat> still, even though it was so long ago? Um, God. Yeah, it's weird. It, 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 yeah. I, I think, I'm listening to myself, but it feels like another, it feels like another lifetime, honestly. I mean, it kind of is, you know, when you really think about it, but, um, yeah, it, I definitely don't listen to it as, as me right now <laughs> and like the, the, the person I've become, you know? So, but yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of, I have a, I'm kind of known for a, a really bad memory in general. So, it's a nice kind of like push to try to remember that that era and, and what was going on with that record. So yeah, it's it's just a weird experience all around. And you got this is the second, well, I guess technically third, but uh, you've done the first two records and the Great Misdirect. Yeah. Are you yeah. just slowly working your way through all of them right now? Uh, we're we're talking about it. You know, we're just kind of planning along. You know, there's not a whole lot going on this year, so. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense yeah. from like a business standpoint to, you know, clean them yeah. up and get them out to fans yeah. that don't have them on vinyl. So I, I totally understand it, and I'm one of the dorks yeah. who's out here buying them. So. Cool, awesome. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just it's it's exciting just the sound. You know, it's it's nice. You know, even when it's time to rehearse an old song for, you know, an upcoming tour or something, it's like oh, we have these new versions that sound awesome. You know, because before. It, it was funny, you know, you know, normally when we get ready for a tour, I throw together like a playlist of the set, you know, when you have old stuff, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you really know that sonically how different, you know, the technology is compared to then and now. And um, it's cool to kind of have it more in the ballpark now. I, I'm someone that goes out on long runs pretty frequently. And I listen to yeah. a lot of BT Bam when I'm out and the, the, the quality of like recording is jarring from some of the older stuff. So I I've appreciated these new cleaned up versions when I'm out running because you know no volume adjustment, no like, no yeah. that stuff. So it's been pretty cool. <laughs> um, That's awesome. You mentioned making a set list, and I know the 20th anniversary tour might be a 21st anniversary tour. Yeah, it might be a 25th <laughs> anniversary tour. We don't know yet. Uh, but like, 
has revisiting all these songs given you like any appreciation for songs that you like just sort of forgot about that work their way into the set you don't have to like say which songs unless you're totally but yeah i mean i mean for me personally i mean i can't speak for everyone for me yeah there's there's so many songs that that i forgot about and and i'm like man these these really hold up this is a really good a good song or or even if you know the full song is not the best in the world there's like moments it's like oh this is just a really magical thing so yeah i mean it it definitely brings that up for sure because like i was saying earlier it's not like i mean the only time i listen to, to this stuff is if i'm preparing for something really you know it's very rare that i'm like i'm gonna sit down and listen to an old BTBM record, you know, so yeah, it, it's cool to, you know, hear these songs. And has has it felt like twenty years of doing this band? Um, some days yes, some days no. I mean, when when I think back, um, I don't know, like the the old days, like with the older lineups, that seems like ages ago. But when I think about like Alaska and you know doing Ozfest with you know. When, when Dan and Blake and Dusty joined the band, like that doesn't seem like that long ago. So I think it's just pre our lineup now that for, for some reason that just seems like, a, you know, a total another lifetime ago. But yeah, I mean, it's all a big blur. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but I mean, because at the end of the day, it's all, you know, you, you kind of get your tra- trajectory going and it's, you know, you have your schedules and everything's, it's not that you're doing the same thing year after year, but I mean, for the most part, you're, you know, you're touring a good amount, writing, putting out a record, touring a good amount, writing, you know, so it's like, that's the cycle. And that's been the cycle since, um, God, since I got out of high school, I guess. And to timestamp this a little bit, we happen to be recording on the fifth anniversary of the release of Coma. Um, I saw that this morning, yeah. That's I, cool. I follow the BT Bam memes Instagram page, and they posted <laughs> something about it. Um, and how has how how is like five years being removed from that album? Like, how do you feel about it now? Is there anything you would have done differently, or uh, um, is it still just like now that it's released? Do you even think about past albums like that? I mean, I don't think about it in everyday life, um, but you know coma I, I don't know it's a, it's a special record for me I, I think it's i think we took a chance with that one um we kind of tried you know we tried something new um i know for me i approached it very differently vocally and and tried to i don't know try to really branch out you know with the music which which was also branching out and i think it was all a success in the end i think it's a very good record um and I think it holds up well in our discography and it was perfect for what we were trying to achieve at that time. So no, I wouldn't change anything at all. Cool. Uh, to switch I up, can't believe it's been five years though. That's y- crazy. Yeah. As someone who, like when you mentioned being on Ozfest, I forgot, like, no offense. I forgot you were on that Ozfest. I went to that one cause yeah. I have been obsessed with Devin Townsend and strapping was at that one. Oh yeah. And played, yeah. the crazy thing about that is like we played, uh, I think after them every day yeah and so devin's been like you know since i was like 16 like i was obsessed with strapping a lad and then his solo stuff and so every day like i would basically barely warm up because i would just be watching strapping <laughs> it's so good 
but yeah, there were so many bands on that second stage, and yeah, there's there was no way to keep everybody apart. And I think there was like five minutes between bands or something crazy. Yeah, I remember the switch. Like everyone was doing twenty minute sets, so of course you guys are doing yeah. what, like three songs. Um, yeah, I think we did play three songs. Yeah, uh, that whole thing seems so wild to me to be on the road with that, and just as a fan, it was it was an it intense was day. Yeah, it was horrible. It, it seems like it would be. Some bands like I mean, if we were if we that that's what was cool about that we realized instantly like day one like this just isn't for us you know because we'd never done anything like that and obviously in our genre you know bands were doing stuff like that because there was a lot more touring festivals back then and we instantly were just like we're kind of our own thing this isn't for us you know we don't fit in at all um doing something like this and we're not really connecting with fans in a way that we thought we would um we learned a lot you know so that that's i wouldn't say it was a failure but we uh you know it influenced a, a lot of i think colors and yeah so there was some good out of it but it was it was a weird weird experience and to like on the idea of festivals then a completely different world is you guys played bonnaroo one year yeah was that kind of the same deal because i follow the guys on the various social medias and no one seemed super stoked after that set no, that that was a great experience yeah. actually. Maybe I'm thinking yeah. of a different thing. Yeah, um, you might be thinking of we played a, some some like, you know those like kind of U.S. rock fest. Um, oh, I'm outside of rock, Sacramento. Rock, I know of aftershock and all that stuff. That whole yeah, like rock umbrella, and the range, yeah. Yep. yeah, and all that stuff. Like we played some fest, uh, I think a year or two ago. And yeah, some of them were real rough. Not, I mean, it was just well, yeah, we weren't we shouldn't have been there you know there was no interest whatsoever in a band like us um from the crowd's standpoint which is fine it is what it is but yeah but uh Bonnaroo was awesome yeah we because we didn't you know that was one of those things we didn't know what it would be like but it was just you know this legendary festival that we've kind of always admired and wanted to play for years so to be a part of it was such a you know such a great experience and and on top of that the, the crowd was great the, you know there was a shitload of people you know yeah that was a that was a good day cool uh we already kind of invoked his name but last time i interviewed you um i had a question about devin townsend um when we when i sent you the question um it was about the the puppet he used for planet of the apes um i happened to talk to devin maybe a few months after our interview and he said he knew where the puppet was. Uh, did he ever get you that puppet? I'm re- very invested in this puppet. <laughs> no, I, did, I didn't. He lied to we, me. He lied to my listeners. He lied to the world then. He owes you a puppet of you. <laughs> we got to keep in mind, uh, as we all probably can agree, he, he probably has 8 million things going on in his brain at one time, at all times. So I can't imagine uh, <clears throat> going in his brain. It's crazy, you know. Now, now that I know him personally, it's, you know, it's 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 phenomenal the stuff he can pull off, and you know, you can really tell when he sets his mind into something, he he goes full out and to the extreme, and you know, he's a maniac, workaholic. It's crazy. And you had him on one of your uh, your solo albums. How was? Yeah, how, yeah. I'm assuming you met. I mean, you met. 14 years ago or something but how did that come to yeah. happen well yeah we we did Ozfest and um you know we got to know each other a little bit on that just because we were both in bands 
you know, on the second stage that nobody cared about. And it was just really weird. And uh, we, we bonded over that bizarre experience. And then we kind of quit music for a while. Right. Um, and then his first tour back was with us and Cynic, actually. Oh, yeah. And stuff. Yeah, it was at that show in San Francisco. That, yeah. That was, was a very emotional a, thing. Yeah, it was such a great... Yeah, that was like still one of my favorite tours we've ever done. But it was such a good thing for, you know, from what he says for him, because up until then, touring for him's always just been partying, and he's never seen any other side of touring or bands besides that. And then he gets on tour with, you know, Cynic and us are very, you know, it was just like, you know, how tours are with us in general. You know, we're just mellow people. You know, we don't party, and you know, it's just like. We kind of just hang out and we're friends and it was just it was a really good experience for you know and he, it really helped him kind of get back in the saddle and then, you know from there we kind of built a, a good friendship you know he's you know he's hung out with my son before and you know he, he's a great guy and um you know i just it does the, him singing on one of my songs was just i mean it was quick it was honestly like hey man i'm writing these songs they're kind of different you know, you know that, that record was pretty much all electronic and i it was crazy. I sent him the song and he just sent back an idea and it was just like perfect. I was like, all right. And then, it, and then I just got frustrated. I'm like, how did, how did he do that so well, so quickly? That you know, I was just like, man, jealous. It's good. <laughs> the guy's good. some of better from tommy rogers recent solo ep feel better you can pick that up over at thomasgiles.bandcamp.com i'll more tommy in just a second but first this is my first band every musician has to start somewhere in this episode justin foley from kill switch engage discusses his heavy origins it was called red tide hmm. and i was in it for 10 years and it was a jazz metal band that's right i did i did come across that um is that a is that a band you could listen to now, like for I don't know pleasure or fun or something or nostalgia? Uh, it's we were doing some weird stuff. Um, that was pretty fun. I think like we were like we were playing. You know, we were really playing. It was like kind of techy, and you know, I'm proud of it. The one thing you know, I listen to if I hear a song or something that's like <clears throat> like I have my iPod on shuffle and it'll just pop on or something. Uh, we never had the vocal situation sorted properly. So that's the one thing that I think if people heard it, they would be like, <laughs> but musically, you know, I was pretty, I, I, I'm still pretty stoked on that, especially doing some of that stuff as like in my late teens and the, the group of us trying to do some really weird stuff that was, uh, that was not really around at the time. And now guys like bands, like between the Barry and me are crushing it and doing it so well. We never did anything on their level of doing it well, but when we were trying to do that kind of stuff in like the mid nineties. It was, um, 
it was very alien to people, especially growing up in Connecticut. And um, like, like hate breed was just monstrously popular and for good reason. And they would have, you know, crazy breakdowns that were punishing, but they were like an easy thing technically to play, you know? And then we were trying to play this ridiculous (laughs) stuff, putting, you know, blast beats next to swing beats. And everyone was like, what is, why would they do that? This sounds very much up my alley. <laughs> it's, it's something I read about but didn't actually pursue. Now I have to pursue it. If, do you know if it's online anywhere? I don't. Yeah. I don't. Um, I'll do some digging. YouTube's got everything, whether you like it or not. Maybe. Yeah, it might It might be. Give it a shot. If not, uh, let me know. I can definitely get something to you if you need it because I got boxes of them. <laughs> <laughs> boxes of unsold CDs laying around. Like all bands, Killswitch Engage are off the road right now, but you can head to killswitchengage.com and check out their 20th anniversary timeline and pick up classic merch from the band there. Now before I wrap my chat with Tommy from BT Bam, here are some of Never Enough from the Thomas Giles EP Feel Better. like your solo stuff you just put out the feel better ep um yeah. I'm, I'm assuming i know the whole covid lockdown thing influenced a couple of the songs but uh yeah. like how did the whole thing come together beyond that like are these songs you've had in your pocket for a while um one of them is you know it was just a song that i'd wrote, written during my last uh record don't touch the outside and it just i don't know it, it never really fit the album properly and i i was kind of stuck for a while with where i wanted to go with it and with vocals and stuff and then i finally you know right when this all hit i was like ah i'm gonna start working on that song and and out of that two other songs kind of just appeared um you know very quickly and like all, you know the ep happened fast and i liked i was i liked that it was kind of really in the moment and because that was kind of the the goal anyway to kind of in a way you know use it as therapy for me kind of dealing you know, with what's going on mentally and, and try to be creative at the same time. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of a, something I wanted to try. And I had three songs and I was like, well, you know, cause I normally always work into full albums and I was like, well, the, you know, I kind of, the moments now I wrote this right now, you know, I'll just do it myself and put it out quickly. And yeah, it was, it was just kind of a spur of the moment thing. That kind of uh, answered my next question, which was, how do you know when like something is done? Because we, yeah, we currently have all the time weird. in the world, but like, how do you know these three songs were the, the this was like? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like that with BT Bam or anything, like or or an album in general. 
Um, I don't know. It's it's really nothing. I'm sure it changes from person to person, but for me, it's something that just kind of you feel it in a way. Um, you know, it just feels right. And if it doesn't, you know, I learned a long time ago that if something doesn't feel right, it's it's for a reason. You should and you should change it because a lot of times in the past something wouldn't feel right, and I would just be like, oh, I'll get over that. But it never goes away. So you know, I've gotten really good at like trusting my instincts. And if something like, for instance, uh, my last two solo records, there was a few songs that I cut. Um, you know, there were some, some songs I really liked, especially on don't touch the outside. There was a uh, track that I really liked. Um, but every time I listened to it, there was something that was like, just doesn't sit right. It doesn't, doesn't, shouldn't be here. So, yeah, it's just something you gotta you gotta feel something's finished or something needs to be changed or out of place. Um, I listened to your appearance on the Everyman podcast, and yeah. you were talking about writing stories into BT Bam albums, but feel better allowing you to be more like yourself again. Mm-hmm. Uh, has the you know a lot of your career being kind of a story writer um, been a way to distance your own emotions and vulnerabilities from crowds or from like as a way of just like kind of hiding, but your solo stuff is more confessional or, or something. This question is uh, poorly worded, but I think the the idea is there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not some really intentional. I mean, I think naturally that's kind of happened. Um, but mainly, you know, I, I, the, you know, when I write lyrics for the band or for anything in general, you know, it, the goal is to create something that fits the music well. Um, and the style of writing we do with the band, it, it calls for stories, you know, it's stories work really well with, you know, the, the peaks and valleys and arcs and our records and, you know, the different places they go. So, I mean, once we started kind of writing, you know, these kind of epic albums that, you know, you know, there's a, there's a beginning and an end and there's not much stopping in between, and the music kind of tells a story in its own. You know, I felt that stories are the way to kind of bring that music to life and, you know, give a visual aid to the music. And and I try to do it in a way where I tell stories, yet I kind of interject personal things in it. Um, mainly just, you know, thoughts that interest me or things that, you know, affect me in some way or another. And, um, so I've been able to kind of achieve both, you know, kind of still scratch that itch of, you know, putting my own emotion into it as well as telling, you know, a fictional story. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if that's something I'll always do, but, um, yeah, like I was saying earlier about that instinct thing, I think, you know, that that's a big part of lyrics as well and, and music, you know, it's just when when the albums start happening you, you kind of just things start jumping out at you and things start popping in your head that you know where things should go and what you should start doing to get you know the album in in a place it needs to be uh also in that interview like i can't recommend enough to to your fans um you talk about your interest in doing voiceover uh, how, where did that stem from? Are you like a big cartoon person or is it cause you, it came up because of video games mostly. But. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always loved cartoons and, you know, I have, a, I have an eight-year-old, so, you know, I've been watching what he's watched for the last eight years, you know, so I've, I've really grown to, you know, I've always been interested in, in that world, but, you know, I really love the, um, I don't know, I, I like to, like, I don't even know what genre it would be called, like the Wee Bear Bears. That show's uh, great. I love Wee Bear Bears. Time. Yeah, Adventure Time, you know, Gravity Falls, you know, all that. Um, God, what was the one he watched recently that was so good? Uh, regular Show, we, we watched, you know, that whole series. And, yeah, all that stuff. It's, it's such a it's such a cool genre because it, it, it appeals to adults and there's things that, you know, we catch on and, but as well as, you know, seven, eight year olds can appreciate it as well. So yeah, it's such a cool, um, I don't even know what that's considered as far as genre or anything, but yeah, I've really grown to love all that stuff. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know the idea of voiceover just, it's always kind of interesting to me. Uh, it's just something I'd like to experience at some point. You, I mean, you've got a, a rather impressive resume reel through uh, voices on some of your albums where it feels like you're doing characters at times. So I cut something together and I don't know who you'd send it to, but I I could see it'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I mean, Mike Patton's done some stuff, a lot of video games, but yeah, know, Mike Patton's insane. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so a few months back, I interviewed Paul and it was just as things were like kind of shutting down. And yeah. on the BTBAM Instagram, this questionnaire was put out that where you're asking your fans a bunch of questions and they're invited to tag somebody in it. And it's kind of just like a, a general fan engagement thing. Yeah. I, I I asked Paul these questions and I would like to ask you those same questions because I thought his answers were interesting. And I thought the questions were fun. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you know his questions, his answers as we go along if you'd like. Okay. So the first one was, uh, what's your favorite uh, BT Bam solo on any instrument? He said, turn on the darkness, his own solo. God. Uh, I mean, the one that pops out for me, just because it's different, is the drum solo. What song is that? Is that Swim to the Moon? There's like a marching band behind it. I think. I think so. Yeah, that might be Swim to the Moon. I think that, just because it's such a... I remember... That was such a, a cool thing. I don't know. Just the whole marching band behind it. I wish... We should release it at, or somehow, or at least online. They're, hearing it with just the drums and the marching band thing is... It's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would do that one. Very if cool. it's in Swim... I think it's in Swim to the Moon. I don't know. Uh, what is the song that makes you feel like you're on drugs? Paul said, you know the word, stroll. Ectopic stroll. <laughs> yes. Um, man. I would say disease, injury, madness. I mean, it's right there in the, the title. That one's a crazy song. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, because I kind of follow obviously the the lyrical stuff you know it's definitely it's you know it's about a cult leader and it's real that the middle section is very creepy and kind of yeah it's it's a fucked up song so yeah (laughs) um what is your favorite song that they never play live paul also said eptoptic stroll but he cited uh but he cited it, it being a song that he wishes fans liked more 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, he, he did mention that, but he's like, we played on the last tour, but it didn't really go over yeah. well. Yeah, it's weird. A lot, a lot of those songs like that, um, they're great, great album songs, but they don't connect in a way live. It's weird. We have we have quite a few songs like that, and that's just kind of is, is what it is. Um, I'm trying to think of songs we don't play. I mean, there, there's a few off, like Alaska. I'm like, man, I'm trying to think, like Autodidact Rules. Um, Robo Turner is crazy, but we're really not that crazy anymore. I mean, Robo Turner would be such a cool ender of a set, and we were played that ages. I don't know, forever. I mean, 20th anniversary, it's right there. There you <laughs> go. Feels like it writes itself. <laughs> Um, what is a song that makes you want to wear corduroys? Paul said, turn on the darkness. I'm not really sure what that question actually means, but turn on the darkness yeah. was his answer. Um, I'm trying to think, cause you know, a little behind the scenes of that post, you know, I saw bands were doing that and, you know, I texted guys, I was like, Hey, I want to put together this thing, you know, for the fans. And, you know, we would kind of, brainstorm some questions i think the corduroy one was dan <laughs> I, think, I think he said it it was, it was pretty hilarious i'll put that in there um where corduroy? yeah paul notoriously he used to wear a pair of corduroys forever ago and he, he always wore them i'm so surprised he said a recent song then if it was a long yeah. time ago and turn on the darkness is very it's a dark kind of a dark depressing song corduroys Man, I mean, it would have to be like, what's the song that has the bluegrass part or whatever? And that ants. Uh, ants, yes. Ants of the sky. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, and then final question from this thing: the song that you put on a jukebox to make everybody leave. Uh, Swim to the moon was his answer. Um, I would do. <laughs> That's a good one. I've actually That's... almost got kicked out of a bar for putting white walls on. The bartender really? literally turned off the jukebox and screamed, not in my bar, and like pointed at me very angrily. Uh, yeah, good times. <laughs> I would do, I would say the um, the most an annoying song, sonically, is the last song on Silent Circus, because I kind of forgot about this till recently we had to do the remix. The last track, there's, you know, the hidden song, The Manland or whatever. But between there, there's like a high pitch frequency. So if we did it so in case you, for some reason you fell asleep listening to it, you would like mess with your head while you're sleeping. <laughs> and we actually turned it up a little bit for the remix. Yeah, um, dude. So I don't know that song because A, it's got that, I don't know, seven minutes of silence, but there's a high pitch squeak going on. That would drive people crazy. But I don't remember the name of that song. Uh, need for repetition that's it yes yeah. yeah i was like the cd's just out of reach sorry uh so my final question like with everything going on right now and so much uncertainty what can fans do for you and the band to just like i don't know help you guys out if you you might be in a hard spot with not being able to tour it seems yeah. like the case yeah yeah um i mean just i don't know I mean, we, we never want to be a band that just asks for a handout. You know, we're we're always trying to do something or create create something that's kind of interesting or cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if we're posting about it, we're we're behind it, and um, it's going to help us in some way. If if it's something you want to buy, 
you know, obviously no pressure. <laughs> We're all kind of struggling right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, just listening to our music and supporting us and, and just keep us alive during this freaking dead, dead zone, yeah. you know? So. All right, well, thank you for talking to me today. Uh, give my best to your cats and uh, <laughs> everyone over there. Uh, awesome. I appreciate it. Of course. You have a good rest of your day. All right, you too. Thank Bye. you. The Silent Circus reissue will be out on July 31st. I believe you can still order a vinyl version of the album over at craftrecordings.com, and you'll be able to stream the new version at all the streaming places on the 31st as well. Then, of course, keep up with the band over at betweentheburiedandme.com. Now to wrap this episode, I am recommending the oddly fitting band from Romania called White Walls. Their name, while inspired by a BT Bam song, would lead you to believe that they have a lot of BT Bam influence to their sound. They may be beneath the surface, but they're actually closer to the contortionist and leprous. The band formed in 2009 on the shores of the Black Sea and have been gaining momentum ever since. This fall, the band are going to release their third album, Grandeur. From that album, here is Starfish Crown in its entirety.
from White Walls will be released this autumn. The exact date is still to be announced, but you can keep up with the band at facebook.com slash whitewallsofficial and pick up Starfish Crown over at whitewalls.bandcamp.com. Now, if you'd like to talk to me, you can head to farboundmetalpodcast.com. There you can find a way to contact me if you were in a band. You can also head to facebook.com slash farboundmetal, twitter underscore farboundmetal, or instagram farboundmetalpod. And of course, the theme song is Strapping Young Lads Farboundmetal from their album The New Black, courtesy of Centrometer Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.